1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. Very interesting topic here. I'm going to quote Peter Levine and Horowitz, and you can look them up, and here is the quote. In a nutshell, edge computing means each device becomes its own mini data center. A self-driving car will have 200-plus CPUs. That's a data center on wheels. Okay, so if you picked up on my drift here, we're talking about devices, we're talking about data, we're talking about computing, and the key word I really want you to remember is edge. Let me read a little bit of a song lyric from a group called or a person called White Lion. I don't follow their music. Quote, so I pack my bags and ride into the sunset. I don't know where I'm going to go, but that don't matter at all. I'm going to do it my way, and I don't change for no one because I'm living on the edge. Edge, and I got nothing to lose. That's a little bit of rock there, and again, edge is the word. So what am I talking about? Let me tell you. The big data landscape is changing fast, and why? It's largely driven by the IoT, Internet of Things, and that's the title of our series today. How is this happening? Well, IoT is letting businesses take the computer out of the centralized data center, you know the raised floors, the temperature is perfect, the humidity is exactly right, and take it down from the cloud and bring the computer out into the field. Why do we want to go to the field? Well, that's where sensors are. That's what IoT brings to the world. And what are these sensors doing? They're generating data at the edge of the network. But the environments are challenging. We're thinking cars and trucks and mines and deep-sea oil rigs living on the edge. We're also dramatically increasing the computing Power available at the edge. You're going to get a little technical here. Going beyond traditional CPUs to new, more powerful designs based on GPUs. Our panelists will help us figure that out. The powerful processors that drive advanced computer graphics. We're even moving past GPUs. Okay, I guess that's all yesterday. To custom chip designs, bringing more and more power out to the edge of the Internet of Things. So, what does this mean for your business, for its future, for its robustness, for its agility? I've got three experts who will help us figure this out, and you don't want to miss this conversation. It's very important to you, whatever business you're in. So let me tell you who our esteemed panelists are today, and then we'll get started. First up, in just a moment, I will be introducing you to a gentleman who's returning to the show after too long away. It's J.R. Fuller. He's a worldwide business development manager for HPE. That's Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Says that word edge again. Joining him on the panel is Amit Rustagi. He's a big data technologist with Western Digital. And rounding out the panel is Peter Kozlowski. I'm going to spell his name so you can look him up, K-O-S-L-O-W-S-K-I. He leads HPE's Global Strategic Alliance with SAP in the areas of industry vertical and IoT solutions. So we've got a powerful panel here today. So let me look at the quote J.R. Fuller has sent us. Okay, it's from Alan Turing, full name Alan Matheson, Turing, 1912-54, to an English computer scientist, mathematician, logician, cryptanalyst, never heard that before, a philosopher and theoretical biologist, influential in the development of theoretical computer science. I'm just going to leave that one alone. Interestingly enough, JR, I don't know if you know this, during World War II, Turing worked for the Government Code and Cipher School at Bletchley Park, which was Britain's code-breaking center that produced something called Ultra Intelligence. He played a pivotal role in cracking intercepted code messages that enabled the Allies to defeat the Nazis in crucial engagements. It's estimated that Turing's work shortened the war in Europe by more than two years and saved over 14 million lives. He's a hero. So here is the quote J.R. has selected from Alan Turing. We can only see a short distance ahead, but we can see plenty there that needs to be done. J.R. Fuller, it's been too long. have you been?
2: I've been doing great, Bonnie. Thank you for having me back.
0: We are delighted did you know that that uh, Alan Turing was credited with shortening the war? Did you know that I yeah, didn't
2: I, I did actually there's a movie uh based on him uh, that that was out a couple of years ago that actually you know essentialized that but uh, yeah he was uh he was responsible for uh, cracking the cracking the Germans uh, uncrackable code and um, he's also kind of been given a lot of the kudos for being the father of what we call now our artificial intelligence and those types of things, which is really germane because we're we're moving that type of capability now to the edge. So it's it's very, uh, very germane to our conversation today.
0: So tell me, speaking of germane, we can only see a short distance ahead, but we can see plenty there that needs to be done. How far away is this edge? Let's get very uh, architectural here, if you don't mind, JR. Where is that edge? Is it just outside your door? Is, is it way out at so, sea on an oil rig? Yeah. Where is the edge?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's funny, you know, there, there are actually many, many edges out there. But, you know, the easiest way to define the edge right now, just for everybody here, is anything outside of the data center. So we think of the data center as being, you know, the cloud or the data center being kind of the core of the network. Anything outside of that, outside that crystal palace, if you will, is the edge. So we are talking about but, uh, you know, in automobiles with autonomous driving, we are talking about oil rigs. We are talking at the bottom of an ocean. We are talking at uh, refineries. We, we've just worked on a project. I've been working on a project for the last year, uh, putting, uh, putting stuff out into refineries. And these are hazardous environments where things can explode and those types of things. So mm. this is really moving a lot of compute out of the data center and, and out to where the things are in our Internet of Things.
0: Thank you very much. Very interesting. Uh, let me t- let me ask you a question. You mentioned hazardous. How hazardous computer, some kind of device, in a difficult, challenging environment, is there risk to the investment? Just looking at. at- you know, this stuff is not cheap, but, well, it's much cheaper than it used to be. But, Jerry, is, is there an, a, a disadvantage to being on the edge? Is there a risk of, of uh, as I said, the data center typically? It's temperature control. The environment is closed. There's no dust. You know, everything is controlled, and here you are out in the real world. Is there a danger or a risk to the investment in that computing?
2: Well, so we we have to do some special things. So when we're going to be out, for example, in a refinery, that's what we call a class one, div one environment. So there are explosive gases, you know, in the air. And, of course, uh, computers can spark. And so sparks and explosive gas is not a good combination. So we have to take special measures in order to put this compute... Out at the edge, whether it's you know Wi-Fi or it's uh, actual compute, and we put that into enclosures that are specifically designed uh, so that if there is an incident, it won't um, it won't go out to the rest of the refinery. It would kind of like explode in place, if you will. So these are the types of things. And when you talk about military environments, you need things that if it gets hit by uh, an artillery shell, when it breaks apart, it doesn't turn into shrapnel. And there's a lot of considerations when you start moving out to the edge. Um, and this has been a domain typically of custom computers, but as we're, mm-hmm. uh, the price is coming down and as more and more uh, companies are going into this, we're seeing that translate from uh, specific custom design computers to more commercial off-the-shelf computing and being able to leverage those things out there at the edge.
0: Thank you very much. Very interesting, very insightful, and, and I, I get what the edge is now. Thank you very much. Way out there. I'm looking back at the quote from, from White Lion. I'm going to do it my way, and I don't change for no one because I'm living on the edge and i got nothing to lose. Well, you probably do have a lot to lose, actually. Thank you, Jr. Pleasure to have you back, and we'll circle back to you and find out where you are and what you're drinking in a few minutes. And now let me bring on our two newcomers to the panel. First up, Amit Rustagi, Biz- big data technologist with Western Digital. And Amit has selected a quote from Elon Musk. I don't know if there's anybody in the planet who doesn't know who Elon Musk is, but just for the heck of it, I'll throw a couple of trivia pieces out here. Elon Reeve Musk, he's only 45. Well, I say only because as of May of this year, his estimated net worth is 152 billion dollars. He's the 80th wealthiest person in the world. He was ranked 21st on Forbes, the most world's most powerful people list, last December. He founded, he's the founder, CEO, and CTO of SpaceX, co-founder, CEO, and product architect of Tesla, co-chairman of OpenAI, founder and CEO of Neuralink, and on and on and on. Actually, he founded X.com, which merged with Confinity and took the name PayPal. Who doesn't know PayPal? Okay, so here is a wonderful quote. Amit has selected from Elon Musk. I'm interested in things that change the world or that affect the future and wondrous new technology where you see it and you're like, wow, how did that even happen? How is that possible? Amit, fantastic quote from Elon Musk. How are you, Amit? I'm doing good. How are you, Bunny? I'm fine. Thank you for joining us. And talk to me. Are you a big fan of Elon Musk? And how did you find this quote? I I love the the uh, the liveliness of the quote. Talk to me, Amit.
3: Yes, actually, I am I'm a, uh, I'm a fan of Elon Musk. I have read his book, Elon Musk, and that's how I came I came across this quote. To me, Elon Musk is an iconic leader in Valley. So, he is very different than everybody else, partly because He's so not Valley type, he actually built products. And I consider basically he has cultivated a strong culture of innovation, his products. Look at his any companies, uh, whether it's SpaceX, reusable rockets, Tesla. He's talking about Neuralinks And he was talking about Hyperloops. Each of those things, few years ago, they were like, wow, even such a thing, even it can exist, but it was just a matter of few years and all those things exist or they will about to exist in the future. So, uh, for the today's topic, living on the edge, we are really looking for such an innovation. There are such a large population out there and we are looking for innovation for the people who are not technology savvy, correct? We were. they want to get their hands on everything, everything intelligent, smart door, smart thermostat, security system and these products what we use in our day to day life they are kind of boring. We are looking for some sort of interaction in these products, and to me it's perfect. We are looking for some sort of innovation in these products and Maybe there's a lot of imagination when it comes to IoT and what is expected in these end-user products. But few years from now, we'll be saying the same thing. Wow. Did it even exist? <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I love the wow part of the quote, and, and what amazes me um, in this quote from Elon Musk is to hear somebody who at age 45 has conquered so many areas is such an innovator, a pioneer, if you will. And he's saying... Wow! How did that even happen? How's that possible? He's the one who's making it possible. He's the one who is is on the creative edge of bringing the power of everything we know in terms of technology to help people and countries and the world and and every day everything that we do. That that amazes me that he still has that wondrousness in his soul. Do you, do you agree with that? That that yes, he's like. Yes, it sounds like he's like a. Yes. He's like a child, right? Wow, how is yes. that possible?
3: Yes, like a child. So, yeah, so for the IoT, it's just the beginning of new technology revolution, And we have just only scratched the surface when it comes to the Internet of Things. We are going to see a lot of exciting things and innovative things as we go into the uh, coming years.
0: Thank you very much, a Pleasure to meet you, and thank you for the wonderful quote. We've had a number of Elon Musk quotes over the past year, but nothing like that one, so thank you. Uh, Let's go to our third panelist. It's Peter Kozlowski. He heads HPE's Global Strategic Alliance with SAP in the areas of industry vertical and IoT solutions, and there's that IoT in there, and that's what we're talking about. Peter has very wisely (laughs) selected a quote from Meg Whitman. If you don't know who Meg Whitman is, come on, stop spending all your time. I'm looking up Elon Musk and look at Meg Whitman. She's the president and CEO of HPE Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. Uh, The quote I'm about to give you was her statement at Davos 2016 during the session on digital transformation of industries. Full name, Margaret Cushing. Nicknamed Meg Whitman. She's only 60, so she's a young kid, American business executive, also a political activist and a donor. Uh, she comes from near where I am, Cold Spring Harbor, New York, graduate of Princeton University and Harvard Business School. And just a little context here, Meg Whitman's CEO of eBay from 1998 to 2008. She took the company from 30 employees and $4 million in annual revenue to 15,000 employees in 8 billion in revenue in 2014. She was named the 20th in Forbes' list of the 100 most powerful women in the world. And I love the next fact, Whitman College, a residential college completed in 2007 at Princeton was named for Meg Whitman after she gave them a $30 million donation, probably pocket change. Here's the quote Peter has selected from Ms. Meg Whitman. And, by the way, Peter works for HPE, so there. Quote, you can always go faster than you think you can. Peter, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today?
4: Fantastic, uh, Bonnie, and thank you for having me on the panel. Yes, I'm, I'm truly inspired by um uh, thought leadership, uh, how her how leadership has been uh, helping transform the industry, and um, the industry which delivers actually uh, potential and technologies to transform other industries. So, so um, uh, this is really great, and um, uh, Meg's um, quote actually um, um, leads actually to, uh, to a, an annual event which takes place in Switzerland in, um, in winter every year. And, Gets attention of the entire world, Davos, and um, and I think um, very much relates to our discussion today, because um, uh, there are so many both social and business promises related to IT, IoT, which which are kind of pushing us and and motivating us to to move faster, right, to to accomplish more, right. For the first time, what I mean by that for the first time, I think we feel uh, the pressure, so to say, and responsibility to solve the problems accomplish things we never dreamt before, like um you know better protect the planet, uh, you know they heal incurable uh, diseases, um, help developing countries accelerate their growth, right empower businesses to innovate to disrupt so this is a truly exciting time and 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 the time itself and the speed really matters here.
0: Peter, let me ask you a question. Putting Meg Whitman's quote into the context of our topic today, IoT sensors leaving behind the controlled, quote-unquote, safe environment of the data center, the computer room, we used to call it back in the day when I was a mainframe programmer, analyst, and the floor, you know, we had the little magnets, the big magnets you could pick up the floor tiles with, and the computers filled a whole warehouse, and they had blinking lights and all that stuff you used to see in movies. Uh, What would Meg Whitman say about going faster than you think you can in terms of going faster to the edge? Are there more edges that we need to explore with on-site sensors, which is our topic today? What, what would she say?
4: I think mag would, uh, would uh, talk to you about putting more and more intelligence into the edge, right? Uh, we have the technology and we have the capabilities to make this happen. And, um, you know, the, those traditional data centers... Um, Uh, We have technology nowadays uh, which uh, can take the power of those data centers, compute and storage powers, out to any edge. They look like little laptops today. It's amazing.
0: Thank you, Peter. Very, very interesting, and I appreciate the quote. Let's circle back to J.R. JR, two personal questions. Not two personal, but two. Count them one and two questions. Number one, where are you calling from approximately, and what's in your cup today, or what would you rather be drinking, Mr. Fuller?
2: So today I am in uh, Houston, Texas, uh, where it's nice and cool here. <laughs> I think 91 already. Um, and oh I am drinking red African tea. Uh, and that's actually what I like to drink. So I, I've got a little cold, you know. I've always been told I had a face for radio. Now I have a voice for radio, but um, <laughs> I've got a little cold. So the so the red African tea with a little honey is doing me well. So
0: thank you very much. Is there a name to that? It's not Katapa uh, Pride Tea, is it? Is it something like that? We've had people mention that on the air.
2: No, no, no. It's actually the the uh, what's the T W G? Is that what it is? um from Singapore the the uh let me see here yeah TWG red of africa tea
0: oh uh, it's, it's the rooibos tea hard to it's get. Roy, it's yeah. rooibos i think red tea rooibos TWG tea. i've got it, TWG TWGTEA.com. It's red jasmine tea. It is expensive. Yes. TWGTEA.com. Reminiscent of the summer sun. Introducing the Beautiful. TWGT summer iced tea tea bag collection. Watch the video. They even have red balloon tea. I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, my. This look. I have to look this up after the show. Thank you, JR. Do uh, Have we ever asked you what JR stands for, or should we not go there? Uh,
2: it, it's just my name. <laughs> okay. On my, my ID, everything says JR, so that's, that's what we do. You know, stations, okay, and I'm, so that, that
0: makes a I'm, Bonnie, <laughs> I'm Bonnie D, and people always ask me what the D stands for. It's actually my maiden name, but I just go by Bonnie D. People say, is it Diana? It is it Darling? No, just let's go with Bonnie D. We'll stick with I that. I usually answer, Thank like,
2: you. Water and or something like that, you know, if they ask me. <laughs> <I> usually-
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's very romantic. Thank you very much, JR. The real JR. This is our real JR. I have a crew member on my TV, uh, my cable TV show, and his last name is Newman. So we call him our very own Newman. <laughs> and, and he loves it. He goes with it. We forgot about his real first name. So let's move on to Amit Rustagi. Amit, where are you calling from? And what are you drinking today, or what would you rather be drinking that would make you smile?
3: I am calling from Milpitas, California. And it's really nice out here. This morning, I'm having my own creation. And it is influenced by one of my visits in the past to a coffee shop, which is called Demitasse. They have location in Santa Monica in Japan. And I have given my own name to this. My creation is Ras Broca Lime. So it's my signature creation. So how do I make it? It is... Espresso muddled with jalapeno, carefully blended with raspberry infused oh. mocha with a touch of lime. Does that sound <gasps> interesting to you?
0: Uh, it, very interesting, not my taste, but espresso and oh my goodness, espresso mixed with. Jalapeno. I have never ever. I'm looking up espresso coconut jalapeno lollipops. I'm sure that's not what you're talking about. Black bean and espresso chili. No, I have to find this one. Buy yes, jalapeno yes. coconut gourmet coffee. I think I found it. Very yes. very interesting. Wow. Do you have to? Uh, you have to brace yourself, strap yourself down to a chair before you drink something like that. Is it Joel?
3: Yes, yes. So I have been experimenting with the different constituents for my morning drink. And I've been playing with the different constituents combinations, and I found this really stimulating my thoughts and This morning, I think it's boosting my retention capabilities so <laughs> <believe me.
0: laughs> believe thank me. you it's it's, it's a pleasure. Very interesting. It's good, good to know. Thank you very much. That's a, that's a first for us here. I've heard over a 1,000 drinks, and that's the first one. Thank you for being a real original, Ahmed. I appreciate that. And Peter, I won't ask you to compete with their drinks, but we'd love to know where are you calling from and what's in your cup today.
4: Well, I'm calling from San Francisco, and uh, actually I'm in the same time zone as I made. Uh, still very early here, so uh, uh, I'm looking forward to my... Uh, to my coffee later after the show, and it's going to be espresso macchiato. And if I get time, then um, I go to San Francisco famous Italian Quarter, North Beach, and I have a coffee there at one of the coffee places. Um, Very traditional, um, with milk, no sugar.
0: Very nice. Yes. I When I drink coffee, Peter, I drink it black, dark, the strongest I can. Once in a while, I'll put a little m- My son-in-law makes a fabulous latte for me on his uh, Breville coffee maker when I visit him. But on radio show days, and this is a double header. I have another show at 2 p.m. Eastern today. We'll be back with Think Big, Work Small, talking about permission marketing for small to mid-sized enterprises at 2 p.m. They don't let me have caffeine on radio show days, especially when I have two shows. So Jr. may remember this. Jr., I'm drinking a cool, clear cup of cool, clear water from a Brita filter, and I have a pink straw because I like the fact that now the sun is shining here in New York and it looks lovely, and. I'm I'm hoping that it's not too hot. How how high do you think your temperature is going to go today, Jr? You said it's creeping up there already, right? In the nineties.
2: Oh, it'll yeah, it'll, it'll be in the nineties today. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It was, I think, 104 here on um, Monday. Yeah, we broke records for Newark, New Jersey Airport, and I think for Central Park as well. So I've got the AC cranked up pretty well. So I'm drinking my water, and I'm very happy to be here. We're learning a lot. And I have to do a shout-out to a couple people at SAP. Ira Burke sponsors this series, and he works with Ruja. And they helped to put together this uh, terrific panel. And a shout-out to Adam Mardini, also on the team. We're talking about an interesting topic, big data and the IoT, Internet of Things, Living on the edge. <clears throat> I use the term living. It's really working on the edge, computing on the edge, being intelligent on the edge, bringing the power of computing to the edge and back to your company. Is the edge the right place for you to be? Well, we're going to find out a lot more from our three esteemed panelists. We have J.R. Fuller at HPE Edgeline Systems. We have Amit Rustagi. Rusty Gee at Western Digital, and Peter Kozlowski, he told me I could pronounce his last name anyway, so I'm going to say Kozlowski this time around, also at HPE. I'm Bonnie Degram. Uh We are here on Game Changers Radio. We'll be right back in 90 seconds, so you know the drill. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. You're really going to learn a lot from my three panelists I already have, so stay tuned. Kevin out.
1: The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented. Presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers.
0: And we're back, and we're talking about a very interesting topic, edge computing. What does it mean? You're going to find out more and more as the show goes on with J.R. Fuller, Peter Kozlowski, and Amit Rustagi. And here we go. We're going to start the roundtable with some statements J.R. Fuller sent me before the show. Let me read a little, and then J.R. will run with it. Listen up. This is important. Edge computing is required. That's such an important word, required, that JR put it all in caps. Edge computing is required to help filter down the data into useful process parts so businesses can begin to understand things better, derive deeper insights in business knowledge. And then he adds, advances in technology will make obsolete the following question. Do I want it faster or do I want it better? JR, please tell me more.
2: Uh, Yeah, sure. Thank you. So, um, you know, when you think about something, just let's take a really very common example of IoT at the edge that pretty much everyone is doing or trying to do, which is using um, analytics at the edge to do um, predictive analytics, right? So we talk about, uh, let's talk about that refinery. So that refinery, the heart of the refinery is a pump, okay? So a perfect example is trying to get analytics on a pump to determine when is it going to fail? Um, and also, you know, you use that to, to determine any other, you know, downstream effects of that, uh, of that pump and how it's running on the processes that are running behind it. So, uh, if you think about what's required to get that information, there's a lot of analog data that we're taking in. And one of the most common is vibration data. The vibration data, I call it the fruit fly of analog data because it has a very short useful life and there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of it out there. So, We don't want to take that vibration data and stick it on a pipe and send it to a cloud or to a data center and suck up all of that bandwidth uh, for by the time it gets there, it's useless because it, it might take a couple of seconds to get there. And by that time, the machine could have changed completely. So this is a great example of where I want to take that information, I want to compute it at the edge, and then I want to send information to my data center or my cloud about what is happening not about the raw data that's there. So um, most of the time, you're gonna, everything's okay. So you, you don't want to send a 1,000 okays, okays, okays. You want to start to send anomalies and alerts and those types of things. Uh-huh. So being able to really break that down and filter that is a much more effective and efficient use of your bandwidth, which is not an, an out-of-pocket cost, um, and allows you to drive those insights much faster uh, and make them more useful. So that's a, that's a perfect example of, of what we're talking about here.
0: Thank you, JR. I'd love to get Amit's thoughts on this. Amit, welcome. Join us. What do you think about what JR just put on the table?
3: Yes, actually, so, uh, so uh, for the IoT, I believe that we need, we, we need to have the smart devices, and there is a need, actually, for the end users to be using the devices they can interact with. So if you look at the last year and a half, a term that is cropping up is called assistant. Uh, your uh, AI assistant, uh, your chatbots, uh, converting uh, text to speech. A lot of these things cropping up. So AI has been uh, all these AI assistants. What they've been doing is they are trying to simplify the interfaces for all the day-to-day activity, which majority uh, majority of us were like kind of boring to us. Like I'm an example like. Uh, setting up meetings, right? All of us do that. So, so now in the space, the companies have dropped into this, and these AI assistants help you set up the Outlook meetings. They will uh, do that, and now uh, devices like Amazon Echo. So, all these devices and assistants they need lots of data. So, when they when they uh, so they need human like intelligence. When we are interacting with these applications, we don't have, we have very few seconds and that's why these assistants, these devices, they need to have human-like intelligence and there's a need actually for filtering all the irrelevance, all the data that's not required and creating like a human-like intelligence using Mm -hmm. uh, either a very powerful range of CPUs or using Custom processing, uh,
0: custom processing logic. Thank you very much, Amit. Very interesting, uh, Peter Kozlowski. Love to get your thoughts on this. We're covering a lot of territory here. What do you think?
4: First of all, I fully agree with uh, JR and Amit. Um, uh, I do agree that there are so many use cases which which dictate that that insight to action right uh, takes place uh, at the edge because. It has to happen within milliseconds, right? Or it has to happen within the device as, as uh, JR has been uh, sharing, you know, at the plant or, or uh, manufacturing company. So um, we're fortunate to have technology today to, uh, to support something like that, right? To take, to take this processing outside of data center and, and, and push it to the edge. And, and um, there are no limits, practically speaking, today. Um so um, in terms of the reasons, uh, you know, um, latency is definitely one of them. But, uh, but think about other things like cost. Uh, imagine if you would have to send the data from all the edges to the data centers and back. Uh, think about the threats, you know, security, um, mm-hmm. possible data corruption uh, exposures, right? Uh, even regulatory compliance. You know, in some countries, in some regions, there are some rules and regulations about how data is transferred across the borders. So um, deploying uh, intelligence to the edge is really a solution to many problems and enables the, 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 the promise of the, of the IoT, so to say.
0: Thank you very much, Peter. JR, any thoughts you want to add to what your two colleagues just added to your topic? Very interesting way we're proceeding with this.
2: So I'd like to just kind of close out with one more example. So we, mm-hmm. we, we've talked a lot about autonomous vehicles. It's, in the, it's pretty much everywhere. When you, you can see it on CNBC and all of these things, and Apple and all of these different car companies are making huge investments, Uber and that. So think about just the idea of a car traveling down the road at 60 miles an hour without a, without a steering wheel, without a gas pedal, without a brake, and somebody's sitting there mm-hmm. and a little girl walks into the middle of the road do you want to send your data to a cloud to go hey <laughs> this is a little girl here what should i do no yeah. you need that reaction time you need that compute power right there on that vehicle in order to be able to to take to take immediate action immediate insightful action in order to avoid you know hitting that little girl or whatever so that's a, that, that, that to me is an example that kind of crystallizes in everybody's mind is no, you wouldn't want, I mean, <laughs> everybody's got, you know, cloud experiences where you've sent something or you try to save something or it didn't happen. You, you yep. can't afford to do some of that stuff. You have to do it at the edge. So this is the, this is the new and exciting world that we live in right now.
0: JR, great example, and I have to tell you, there are commercials now for some cars that are definitely not self-driving but have systems built in for recognizing obstacles on the road, and I've seen a couple of them where you've seen it where, I I don't know the manufacturer, I'm not going to promote anybody, but a couple is driving in the car, and she's at the wheel, and everything's fine, and they come to the stop sign, and just before they get there, a little girl or a little boy or a cute little dog has run into the street, and they look at each other like, OMG, what do we do now, and the car senses the car knows the car reacts the car stops the car stops suddenly and the thing or the person or the pu- the puppy are spared the, the 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 terrible disaster that was basically waiting to happen so we're yeah. seeing that so is that a practical example of edge computing right before our very eyes jr
2: oh absolutely absolutely we're talk- we're starting to talk about these Hyperconnected devices. I mean, everywhere, everything is connected. It's, it's really an exciting time. So that, that is actually a very practical example. Right now, there's about 125 different computer networks on a car today. Uh, so we're going to see that grow. We're going to see those get smarter. We're going to see a lot more compute happening. But just today, there's about 125 of these uh, computer networks uh, on wow. a car. Wow.
0: I never, I'm never. i thinking here, Edge, we're talking about challenging environments, and I'm thinking, like you said, oil rigs and out in the field where it's cold and it's dark and there's water and there's mud, and here we're thinking just everyday cars, and it, we're not even at the point of autonomous vehicles yet, but we are at the point of smarter vehicles. I like that. Thank you very much. Amit, I'm looking at your notes here, and let's get uh, not in the weeds here, but an interesting idea here. You say custom chips can handle workload at a lower cost with higher performance while consuming far less power. That sounds to me like a formula for success. Amit, can you tell us, without getting too much into the into the uh, the bits and bytes, can you tell us a little bit about what are these custom chips, where do they come from, what do they do, who's using them?
3: Yes, actually. So, uh, before we get into the custom chips, let me uh, give you a background. So, how we got into custom chips. For, for decades, we've been using general purpose computes what we call processors or cores, right? And then we, uh, as the data volume starts going up, we started using thousands of them, and we call them GPUs, graphic processing units. We reached to a point when even these thousands of cores were not sufficient. When we were started processing the data on the edge, and the power efficiency became a very critical factor. So recently. Uh, special Purpose Compute is the new term, uh, very relevant to IoTs. So what you do, the, with, through the Spatial Purpose Compute, uh, you can think of, as applications are created to gear a very specific general use case, These Spatial Purpose Compute are geared for a very special problem. So, for example, have you heard of the term called TPU, Tensor Processing Units? So this is a special purpose compute, uh, came out from Google, and they claim to be that their AI works 50 times faster. So when we have a need that our AI needs to work several X form factor faster and with a low power efficiency, general purpose compute or your GPUs, they don't help. You need special purpose compute. And as we go from domain to domain in the industry, uh, from industry to industry, going forward, each of these domains will have very unique applications. Even within the AI, each AI application is going to be very unique. And for those unique requirements, it will require a special purpose compute. And that's the era we are going to enter.
0: Very interesting. Thank you, Peter. Talk to me. Custom chips, what do you think?
4: Absolutely. I, I think there will be a lot of uh, uh, technologies um, we will see at the edge empowering uh, at, uh, the, the intelligent edge. And and, uh, and I truly agree with Amit that uh, custom chips is, is just one of the, uh, the great examples. Um, what I'd like to share, though, is that um, when we think about... Um, IOT and we talk about intelligent edge. Uh, we should not uh, forget about those traditional data centers. I, I strongly believe that um, as as we will be transforming um, in devices into the intelligent devices and giving them their own brains, like you know, like the car will have its own brain, you know, mm-hmm. like like uh, 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 a manufacturing uh, uh, device will have its own brain. Um, the 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 data centers behind will take on the role of the I, I would call a super brain so they will be behind there right they will do some some additional tasks some some super tasks right but they will be out there and 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 there are many functions for them so we should keep in mind that those data centers can be somewhere on premise at the customers' um, uh, building or they can can be in the cloud right
0: Thank you very much. J.R. Fuller, what do you think? Custom chips?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got, you know, CPUs and GPUs and ASIC chips and FPGAs, you know, field program- programmable stuff. And so you can, you know, push a lot of uh, logic right into the chips, which makes it run a lot faster and, and those types of things. So absolutely, this is, uh, this is where it's going. We'll, We'll we'll be talking about photonics here not too long, maybe in another decade or so. We'll start talking about photonics and how that will really speed things up as well. Hold
0: on. You just dropped a new word into my vocabulary. What's photonics?
2: So this is using light. Uh, so instead of Ooh. it being like silicon-based, uh, where it's, there's a lot of heat and a lot of exchange and things like that, this is using uh, light and light waves, which reduces – it increases speed and reduces – um, reduces your heat signature uh, and makes a lot more applications uh, possible.
0: Thank you. Very exciting, as Elon Musk said in the quote, uh, the quote that Amit brought us. It's really did. It, how could this even happen? How is this even possible? That wonderment, right? Wow! Did that? How did that even happen? We're, we're thinking so. F- and I just didn't even realize that the edge is just as, as close as the nearest car that has a brain as somebody just said. Very interesting topic when when uh, Ira presented the topic to me I thought now nah, we're going to be getting too much in the weeds here, too much technical I won't say mumbo jumbo because I used to be a mainframe programmer analyst so I know what the mumbo jumbo is all about, green bar paper and keep punching and, and uh, you know digital systems and all that but that's back in the day and it's really very much a part of our lives which brings me to Peter Kozlowski. Peter, I'm looking at your notes here and some very interesting comments here. I'm going to read two of your statements and ask you to put them together for us. I think they're very apropos to this part of the conversation. You say, digital disruption is the main reason why more than 50% of the Fortune 500 companies fell off the list since 2000. Let's leave that one alone, and now let's add the next statement. IoT data generates powerful insights. Data is becoming the new gold for societies and businesses. So what's the disconnect? The companies that fell off the Fortune 500 list, they didn't realize it. 2000 is not that far in the past. So Peter, why don't you put this together for us, please?
4: This is exactly what happened, Bonnie. And I think this quote comes from Accenture. Observation was made by Accenture sometime. some um, uh, And, you know, like Uber or uh, Airbnb are probably the Pioneer examples when you saw that they were able to disrupt industry because they had a platform, and um, the taxi companies were not able even to react because they didn't have a platform. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the digital platform. They didn't have the, the connected cars. They were they were communicating via phone, right, with their drivers. So this is like a like a one of the the early examples, but we see them across the. The industries, and um, um, I think that that all of the businesses uh, feel that pressure, imperative to uh, to innovate, right? To um, to launch new new types of, of, of services, to optimize the way how they use assets, right? Uh, to elevate customer satisfaction to the new levels, to build new customer relationships, and IoT is is a a powerful technology and a powerful um, opportunity for the businesses to uh, to um, to transform right and to be ready for uh, for the new uh, for the new era so to say um, now in terms of
0: yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. you go you go mm-hmm.
4: now in terms of um, of the um, of the IOT data and and, and the insights um, uh, you can... You can imagine that IoT empowers us today to establish digital image of everything, right? Everything, our cup of coffee, right? Our coffee machine, right? Our car, everything will have a digital image or a digital representation. Even us, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there will be a lot of data available, a lot of smart data available. Um, businesses will be collecting them and have already been doing so. And, and this is the foundation for, for that potential, I think, uh, potential to, to evolve, potential to transform businesses, industries, uh, and, and, and the power to, to disrupt.
0: Thank you very much. JR, love to get your thoughts on this. The power to disrupt, let's talk about that.
2: Yeah, so I mean, it's innovate or die. You know, um, companies are are like sharks. You cannot stop swimming. If you stop swimming, you will you will die. You will you will go. I mean, if you think about, you know, Uber is a great example. Uber is only possible because of the convergence of several different technologies that made the platform available. And the you know even the rental cars hadn't adapted to that, right? So it's not only disrupting taxis. It's I don't rent a car anymore as much as I used to. It's just cheaper and easier to Uber places. Uh, so uh, these these things are critical, and and it's very hard. I mean, innovation has to be part of your DNA, uh, and if it's not part of your DNA, you gotta you gotta hire some new people, and <laughs> get people in there that can <laughs> that can actually be innovating at all times, and that means um, allowing for failures. You, you cannot innovate without failures. It, Failure should be encouraged in our society, especially in innovative society. We always celebrate people's success, but um, everybody, Ian Musk, will tell you, you, didn't, you don't get to success off, out the door. You fail, fail, fail. Actually, you should be rewarded for failing fast, because the faster you fail, the easier it's going to be to get to that success point, right? And you look at the innovators, the great innovators of our times with you know, Einstein and you know, uh, Thomas Edison and those guys. I mean, Failed a lot. Uh, Henry Ford failed a lot. So we need to we need to have a culture where we uh, we are constantly innovating, where we are celebrating failures and and encouraging failures because they're moving in the right direction. And if we do that. Well, then, you know, we'll be able to reap the benefits and, you know, uh, bottle up that, uh, that black gold, which is data in your organization that's probably sitting there in somebody's hard drive or secondary storage or something and not being used. And it could be the key to, you know, unlocking a whole new business model.
0: Very interesting, JR. That was a very provocative statement. If innovation has to be part of your company's DNA or hire new people, very interesting. We, we uh, had a series, we have a series, uh, design, we had a series on design thinking, innovating innovation. We had a radio series last year, and we talked about the concept of failing fast, failing often. But this really goes back to how many of us were educated, doesn't it, JR, where we were told you have to make the honor roll, right? You have to yeah, make you're the honor roll.
2: For failure.
0: That's right. right. Don't embarrass. Yourself, you have to be in the front row at the assembly. You have to be in the top ten in the class. You, I'll, I'll yeah. never forget when I got a wrong answer in a math class. It was, it was a newer math. I was a crackerjack math student. I, I just adored math. Before we invented the concept of STEM, I was a girl who loved math, not science so much, but math. And uh, I remember getting a bad grade on a math test, and the teacher warned me that I was no longer in the top five in the class. I was put in a chair toward the back of the room. I went home. I cried. Right, I studied. Yeah. And the next test? A hundred percent of the gold star. Yes, Bonnie, you have made it back into the inter echelon of successful students. We were not allowed to fail. So Jr., let me go around the panel here. JR, we're now told to businesses where money is on the line and jobs are on the line and industries and reputation and and uh, GDP and, and countries and we're saying it's okay to fail but do it fast, do it often, and let's get let's learn from the failures and move on. So in in a sense we're living on the edge because we weren't allowed to fail before. Jr, a quick comment, and then I want to get the other panelists' opinions on this. Jr, what do you think?
2: No, absolutely true. And. And those people that don't recognize that are not leaders, they're managers. And managers will die in this new economy and the way that things are progressing and the speed at which stuff is progressing. I mean, just in the last two years, you and I have been talking, so much has happened. And the next two years looks even more incredible. You don't need managers. You need leaders who will go out there, who will stake their reputation, who will take that risk, take that shot. And when they fail, instead of pushing them aside, go, you know what? Uh, You failed, but... You got us one step closer to taking that mountain, and let's you know, let's put some more resources behind it. Let's figure out what we what we can. Let's learn from it, and let's move forward.
0: Very, very well put, Amit Rustedgee. Amit, tell us, what do you think about the idea of fail fast, fail often? You're in this field where you are pushing computing to the edge. There must be failures sometimes. What do you see in terms of permission to fail, learn, and move on, Amit?
3: Yes, uh, I'm a true believer of failing fast, and It's a culture of uh, experimentation. So, when you are working on any disruptive innovation, you can't stick on to the same idea and beat to death, right? At some point in the cycle, you need to make a call that, is it working or not working? And most of the time, like we found ourselves actually in that situation, so we need to try different very quickly. So, IOT being the, which has taken the center stage for all this disruptive innovation is a perfect example for that I do see that basically there are a lot of IOT devices out there a lot of IOT devices collecting lots of data but if you go really go into the field right I still do see a lot of resistance when it comes to the end-user application so I will tell you uh, I will give you another technical term so it's about the simplification of the application interfaces and It's about, like, let's say you go to a completely new place and you're trying to find something or you're trying to understand the local dialect, right? So a lot of AIs happen, which will help you navigate into a completely new place with a new dialect, but we are not there yet that you just arrive there and then you talk to a device and then device handles everything for you. That will require, like, a human-like intelligence. That will require a disruptive innovation where you are working on these applications and if things are not working out, Mm-hmm. Put the idea uh, behind and then start working on the new thing. And keep on working un- until you simplify the imp- interface completely. And when I talk about simplification interfaces, you just talk to the device. Amazon Echo, perfect example. You just talk to it. It will order things. And similarly, expect that sort of simplification. So uh, one of the, another thing that's being talked a lot Amit, 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 Amit,
0: Amit, 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 I'm going to interrupt you because we've got three minutes left. And and, uh, as JR knows, we're usually in the crystal ball predictions round. But I like this topic better, so I'm going to give Peter a chance to chime in. Peter, thoughts on fail fast, fail often, innovation, computing on the edge with a future look. Uh, Peter, just take 60 seconds, and then I'll give a quick 60 to JR and Amit. Amit, I apologize for interrupting, but I'm really on the clock here. So Peter, what do you think?
4: I think that the near future will keep us busy, busy with managing this evolving uh, uh, IoT uh, and edge infrastructure or infrastructures. There will be many. There will be very complex. There will be a lot of data. Um, there will be a huge demand for some single logical view, simplification, um, autonomous management, um, um, challenges we had before in the industry. Um, uh, in the previous decades, so we're prepared, but it will keep us busy.
0: Thank you. I like that prediction a lot jr. I saved sixty seconds for well, actually less than six thirty seconds jr talk to me
2: I think we're gonna start seeing in the future we're gonna see a lot more cognitive computing uh, swarm computing so you know swarm when we talk to the cars uh, each car is talking to the other cars on the road so maybe you don't see that bike coming down, Uh, it's too far away, you don't see that bike entering that intersection, but the car in front of you or the car on the other street sees that bike and communicates it to you and allows you to adjust. So doing swarm computing, I think all of that's going to happen in the future and be amazing for us.
0: I like that amazing word in there. I appreciate that. Ahmed, I've got 30 seconds for you. What's your prediction? Go forward, please. What do you think?
3: I think uh, AI is going to be becoming commodity actually next few years, which means uh, proliferation of the artificial intelligence with the real intelligence and making things really easy for us where we see the resistance today.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Wow. I really appreciate the predictions. Thank you. I'm sorry to rush you all, but it was such a good conversation. I hated to have to interrupt us. J.R. knows how that goes. So I want to say thank you so much, J.R. Fuller. Don't be a stranger. Come back. It's been too long. I'm at Rustic Thank you. I'm at Rusty and Peter Kozlowski. Welcome to Game Changers Radio. You did great. So happy to have you on board and really appreciate your insights and your human intelligence. How about that? And I want to do a shout out to Ira Burke, of course, sponsor of the series. And, uh, let's see, a shout out to Kevin at World Talk Radio, our engineer extraordinaire. And, uh, every, let's see, if you're at SAP, I am moderating a bi-weekly every other week, a tech talk with people invited by Ira to talk about tech topics. So, Hopefully, if you're at SAP, you'll hear me doing that with Ira and with Ruja every other Wednesday morning. And now I have my call to action. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. There's probably an IOT sensor in it somewhere, right? JR telling you that your socks don't match or that you shouldn't have had that extra coffee in the morning before you got in the car. I don't know. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like JR, just like Ahmed, just like Peter. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back 2 p.m. Eastern with a brand new episode of Think Big Work Small talking about Seth Godin's groundbreaking concept from the title of his book, Permission Marketing. Woohoo. Have a great one. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.